630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. Jets lead the Canadians 2-0 early in the second period. Also early in the second, Penguins up 3-1 on the Flyers. It's 1-1 between the Red Wings and the Hurricanes. Devils up 1-0 on the New York Rangers. And the Islanders have a 2-1 lead on the Buffalo Sabres. Coming up later, we'll actually starting in a few minutes here, Lightning and the Blackhawks, Panthers and the Predators. At the bottom of the hour, it's the Blue Jackets and the Stars. In an hour, Ottawa is at Calgary. Those are the next two opponents for the Oilers. They will play the Flames Saturday night and then Ottawa three times next week. And the late game at 8 o'clock, the team that just stomped the Oilers three times in a row, the Toronto Maple Leafs, visit the Vancouver Canucks. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight, Inside Sports on 6.30. Chad, my name is Reed Wilkins. You can get in touch on the Certainteed hotline, 780-496-0063. Certainteed, professional-grade building materials, pro all the way. You've had a little bit of time to digest it. Another lopsided loss at the hands of the Maple Leafs. So we will further discuss that tonight. What happened and where do the Oilers go from here? Pretty uh, pretty miserable three games, obviously, for Edmonton. Uh, fell behind in every game. Weren't able to capitalize on the chances that they did have. And then, I mean, really, all three games were pretty much over by about the halfway point of uh, the second period. And the Leafs did everything that they needed to do. Here's uh, some of the reaction we had from the key people involved. All back to Spezza in the corner. Centering pass, one-timer score. And Toronto has taken the lead again. We just didn't win any battles. We just... I don't know. Uh, there's so many little scrums, and we just seem to never get the puck out of it. Um, and if you don't get into battles, and it's it's tough to draw penalties. So, um, yeah, like I said, it just wasn't good enough. There's execution and competing, and and just winning one-on-one battles. That's just we just didn't win enough battles to to push the game along, and uh, you know, critical battles at the at the wrong times, and coming back and defending hard. Give them credit. They, they defended hard, and they won a lot of battles, and they won the games. Home run pass. Travis Boyd to the middle of the ice. Spets on that. Slapped away. Rebound. Score. VC's got two. Uh, it's just not good enough. Uh, speaking of not good enough, your top players didn't produce much of anything in this series. Does it add to the frustration that you guys uh, really didn't uh, hold up your end of the bargain? No, we love that. We love going without a point in, in three days for sure. Great. I said at the first game this week against these guys that we got beat, and we got beat the second game, and then we got beat the third game. And Toronto sets up on the power play against Kara Archibald, Nurse, and Larson. A drive from the point in front, backhander score. Zach Hyman. I think they played really good in all three games, um, made it hard on us, uh, but we also didn't um, push back enough. Uh, so I think it's both. Yeah, it's very concerning. Very concerning that we don't want to grab the competitive level in a, in a series like this. Here's a quick wrist shot off the rush and a backhander score. Ilya Mikheyev. You can't put it behind you. You have to recognize what you're doing. Recognize like how you played because if you don't recognize it it's pretty hard to fix it so we got a lot of recognition to do the next couple days well we obviously have to learn from it i think uh you know you have to sit down and talk about it and figure out what uh what exactly happened and and uh and move on and and take those lessons and move on um like you said there's nothing we can do about it now um you know if this is a normal season and 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 we lose three in a week um you know it's obviously still a big deal it's probably not as big a deal um 
as it uh, you know if it's coming against three 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 against the same team. So um, you know, strange year, strange series, and uh, and uh, and let's move on. All right, Dreisaitl, Tippett, and McDavid in that summary of the three games and some of the reaction from afterwards. So a few things I want to get to there. And again, you can chime in 780-496-0063. One phrase that stood out to me from Tippett is that we didn't grab the competitive level that we needed to get to. And I'm wondering, you know, there there are parts of a season where certain games are going to be emphasized more than others, perhaps. And certainly this was a bit of a benchmark for Edmonton. They'd won 11 of 13. That run started with an overtime win against Toronto. So the previous game before those 13 games was a regulation loss to Toronto, if you remember back to that. And then during that entire stretch, they they didn't play the Leafs again. So they had them for three games, weren't able to beat them once, and you know weren't even close in any of the games really like i said by about the halfway point of the second period the games were pretty much over so i you know i'm, I'm wondering and since somebody called in last night and said the the leafs seem to treat that like a little mini playoff series and there might be something to that the the leafs went into those games thinking like all right we're rolling along edmonton's hot we're in first place we believe we're the big dogs let's go out there and steal all the fire hydrants and pee on them ourselves. I don't know if that's exactly what they would say in the dressing rooms. I like to think that's what players say to each other, but it was probably something a little stronger than that. But they went out there and they, and they said that that we are going to assert ourselves. Edmonton thinks maybe it can catch us for first. Ha, look at this. You're not catching us now. And there's still half a season to go. And, and maybe they just came with, with a little more, of that intensity that than Edmonton had and Edmonton got out of the games and, and they couldn't find a way back, back into it. So I think that's one factor. I don't think that's the only factor. I, I just don't think it's one thing. I don't even necessarily, it's, I'm not even going to necessarily say that it's effort level because I believe all players try. And I believe that some teams, no matter how hard they try, just generally aren't good enough to beat other teams. But, you know, Tippett said the competitive level. And to me, that's intensity, that's concentration, that's recognizing the opportunity that's in front of you. So the Oilers didn't grab that. Hopefully they can, they can learn from it. Another thing here, and, and this gets discussed a lot, certainly with the way this team is made up and certainly after losses and that is the line combinations and i'm going to tell you something they're they're relevant they're important they're also probably not as important as we all believe they are and i'm going to put it to you this way i mean the the cumulative score in those three games was 13 to 1 so let's just assume the Leafs still would have scored all the goals that that they scored. So for the Oilers to win, they would have had to score five, then they would have had to score four, and then yesterday they would have had to score seven. So that's a total of 16 goals. I mean, to win all three games, you would have had to got, got to 16 total goals. So... I have trouble believing that different line combinations would have been worth 15 goals over three games. Maybe that's just me. Maybe I'm a complete nut job. Maybe I belong in the bundle of fire hydrants that the Leafs 
stole from Edmonton and taken to Vancouver. Maybe that's where I belong. But I, I don't think different line combinations would have been worth 15 goals over the last three games. I really don't. So that leads me to the third point. And I think now Ken Holland, the general manager of the team, has even more information about the team's shortcomings. And I think a lot of these probably we knew. And I think some of them are going to be very difficult, if not impossible, to fix before the trade deadline in about a month. There's still a winger short in the top six. The third line is still not quite skilled enough. The goaltending is not quite reliable enough, to, to put it mildly, and the defense is not quite deep enough. Now, again, this is I, I am not writing off the Oilers. I am not saying they are a horrible team because I don't believe that. I'm going to say what I've been saying for about the last 15 months. The Oilers are a good team. They're not a great team. I mean, great teams finish in the top five or six in the overall standings, and then to me there is a bunch of good teams that can finish anywhere from 7th or 8th overall to perhaps even 20th or 22nd overall. I think each year some good teams wind up just on the wrong side of the playoff cut line. I think the Oilers are, are somewhere in that soft bunch. Last year, you know, they were 12th overall in terms of points percentage. And they probably addressed a couple of areas that they didn't have last year. But, but they're not quite there. So... What can be fixed this year? What realistically can be fixed this year? What do you want Holland to fix this year? How much do you want Holland to pay for a fix this year? It's going to be a challenge. But but again, um, I don't think the line combos... I mean, I think there are, certainly there are elements of coaching that can always be brought up. You know, did, did Tippett react quickly enough to what Toronto is doing? You know, was it Tippett not reacting? Was it the players not executing? We can debate all of that. And I'm sure, you know, I know there's people who listen to the show who, uh, you know, played high levels of hockey, maybe junior hockey, or maybe coached or managed at those levels. And, and you're going to have opinions. And I'm happy to hear from those. But I don't think just different line combinations provide 15, 15 goals. There are still parts of the lineup that are do, that as a team – mean that the the Oilers are not at an elite level as a team. They can play well at times, and they can certainly pound the snot out of some bad teams, and I think they still will before the end of the season. But a benchmark opportunity here for the Oilers, they did not seize the opportunity. That's probably maybe something between the years that they're going to have to address. And they still don't have quite the lineup to be considered a true Stanley Cup contender. That's how I look at it. Not really that much differently than I did uh, most of the season, but I think some of the warts really got uh, got the spotlight shone on them when you lose three games that badly. 780-496-0063 is the certainty hotline. 617 back after the break. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. Rob Brown coming up between 6.30 and 7. Dylan Gunther off to a hot start for the Edmonton Oil Kings. He's going to join us between 7.30 and 8 tonight. The Big L has written in on the text line. He says, Reed, silver lining of that three-game series is that there's not a fourth game. Simply brutal. 
And as is typical with sports irony, I suppose the Leafs will lose to the Canucks tonight. The Flames better be on their toes Saturday. They'll be facing a very peeved Oilers team, we hope. Colton says the Oilers need to start winning again. The losses are very hard on my liver. Well, careful there, Colton. There are, uh, you know, don't go overboard, buddy. 780-496-0063. All right. We also have Brian on the Certainty Hotline. Hello there. Go ahead, Brian. How you doing? Hello. Good, buddy. Go ahead. Yeah, just uh, it's good that we still have a sense of humor through this all. Um, you know, I, I, I think what is ailing the Oilers right now is... What's that? Is they're fragile. They're a fragile team that is learning to win. Um, Toronto comes to town. Toronto's got a, a, a good team that has a mixture of veterans and young guys and superstars and they all play their positions well. The Oilers let in a couple of goals. All of a sudden, you know, they lose a battle along the wall. They start getting a little frustrated or, or, or a little discouraged. And it goes from game one to, to game two, which gets worse, to game three, that gets worse. Uh-huh. And I, I, think, I think most of the problem they have is between the ears. I don't think this is a talent problem. I think, and and maybe it's a little bit of coaching, but I think mostly this is this is something that they can learn. Um, they say Toronto has a fast team; they are fast. But you look at their defensemen, Reed. Look at their defensemen. They've got a Muzzin, they got a Brody, and they've got a Hall back there. And they, I don't, I can't remember all their defense. These guys aren't fast guys. Come on, but McDavid blew by Brody in Calgary last year. Uh, but they're they're smart defensemen. They play the position well. The Oilers have to learn how to win now. I I, I think this is a mental thing, and it's, and it's probably a good thing that it happened this time of year, because they've got a, quite a bit of time to to recoup, get some confidence back. But it's another level of hockey that they have to learn how to play, and it, this is part of winning. Well, I, I think that uh, I, I think you make some good points, I, and I do think that was part of it. And I, and I touched on that, Brian, that that this was a kind of a benchmark series, and and the Leafs came in here and said, "Look, we're going to prove it," and, and the Oilers weren't able to do that. Uh, I mean, the Oilers do have some experienced players on the roster, but as a team, I mean, really, this group of players has only been in the playoffs together once, and that was only four games against Chicago. I know a few guys were were on the team that that made it in 2017. I do, I I do. Still are you still on the line, Brian? Yeah, I am. I, I I I do believe though that I'm not sure. Well, I am sure. I, I I don't think that the overall talent level matches Toronto's right now. I'm not saying that Toronto is unbeatable, but I think I mean, Toronto's third line is way better than Edmonton's third line, even if Edmonton's third Agreed. line plays well. I think. Agreed. But but Reed, let me ask you this. No, and I agree with you. Okay, I would give you that that they have. If you go line to line, man to man, they have uh, more talent, but not a thirteen to one score talent. Well, Why? sure, they're, yeah. not, they're not that good. They, they're yeah, well, they're well. No, the Leafs are flying right now. I mean, they they are a good team, but I think they're also on a hot streak. So you, you get an already and, good team on a hot streak, 
you get a 13-1 difference. So, yeah. so what change? What changes it for you though? Is it just is it just taking your lumps and reacting to it the, the right way? Like, is it that is that the process for you, Brian? Well, I think I think there are some things that have to be addressed, and I think Holland, you know, this series, if anything, has showed him clearly where where we're lacking, and you cannot give up two goals, three games in a row. Uh, to a better, you know, to a team that has, arguably, you know, more talent, you cannot keep giving up two goals, a two-goal or three-goal lead. Um, so goaltending, I think they have to address the goaltending, um, and then as far as the as far as the the, the toughness goes, and and the guys that want to that you know, we we have we have talent, and I think certainly you can upgrade. Uh, you know, give somebody give somebody that can play with Connor McDavid. I think that's the the million dollar question that right. can consistently play well with that guy because they, that that's that's a that's the missing link right now, isn't it? Yeah, one of them for sure. Thanks, Brian. I appreciate your thoughts, buddy. Yeah, thanks, Reed. That's Brian on the Certainty Hotline seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three, and the Leafs will try to win again tonight when they take on the Vancouver Canucks. We're going to visit with Rob Brown. Don't forget the next Oilers broadcast is Saturday night, 6.30 face-off show. The game is at 8. They'll be taking on the Calgary Flames. We're back after the news. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. pulling even with the Jets. It's now 2-2 late in the second period. No score in the first between the Lightning and the Blackhawks. The Panthers are up 2-0 on the Predators. Second period in Pittsburgh. Penguins leading the Flyers 3-2. Detroit is up 2-1 on Carolina. The Rangers are up 2-1 on the Devils. And the Islanders have a 3-1 lead on the Buffalo Sabres. Games coming up later, both North Division Senators at Flames Maple Leafs at Canucks. The Oilers did not practice today. They'll be back on the practice ice tomorrow. And then they have their game on Saturday against the Calgary Flames as the Oilers will try to break their three-game losing streak, their longest skid of the season. Rob Brown and I were there last night as the Oilers lost 6-1 to the Toronto Maple Leafs. Rob, welcome back to the show. How are you doing, buddy? I'm doing good today. How are you, Reed? I'm doing very well. It is nice to talk to you. Uh, now, w- w- when the Penguins play the Flyers like tonight, do you make sure to, to is that appointment viewing for you, or or do you get too <laughs> angry watching the Flyers? You have to leave the TV off so you don't start punching I, it. Well, it, it's tough now because the an ex Flyer is running my Penguins. Like it's it's I don't know who to cheer for now. It just it hurts. It hurts right down deep in the soul. Reed, that they let a Flyer, a gentleman that chased me around the ice to run the franchise so i just don't understand anymore <laughs> just just total confusion well the the penguins are doing okay they're up three two without you tonight late in the second period so so there we go hey uh i want to touch on a couple of things here before we get into the other stuff alexander ovechkin was uh was fined for a, a spear last night to uh you know i think that most males would consider it a, a quite a sensitive area of uh <laughs> 
<laughs> of the body against Trent Frederick of the uh, of the Boston Bruins. You know, we saw we saw Alex Chason suspended for the uh, Edmonton Oilers. I think we we, kind of, we I, here's the thing we had a pretty good idea there was going to be a suspension even before we saw the play because if you do something at the final buzzer and get a major that's uh, that's frowned upon in the National Hockey League and then you know it was a cross check to the head but I see the Ovechkin thing and I'm like how does how does that not warrant also I don't I don't know I mean what do you think you often have an opinion on these suspensions well, when I saw the video the next day, because neither one of us saw the Alex Jason hit during the game because we were both looking the opposite way. The next morning I saw a video and I texted you right away and said, I believe he's going to get a game and, and deserves a game. There was intent. Uh, the time of the game, uh, to me, it was an automatic game suspension. You can't have that in, in, in hockey. Then you show, send me the video of Ovechkin. I, to me, it's the same thing. There was intent. There was intent to injure. It was a spear to the groin uh, with, I mean, it was malicious. It wasn't a tap. I mean, you see guys do the little kind of poke. It's not a spear. It's more or less saying, oh, I'll get out of my space. That what Ovechkin did was a spear that, you know, to, in my opinion, tried to cause injury. And I can tell you from when I played, players appreciated when the NHL came down and suspended players. Because when you don't suspend a player, you're sending a message throughout the league that what he did was okay. And you're not protecting the player that gets hurt. So to me, I, he deserves a suspension. It should have been one game. And I thought there was more intent with what Ovechkin did than the... Well, McKinnon got hit last night with a, a shoulder to the head, and that kid got two games. I can't remember which team he was on. But uh, McKinnon was hurt, got left the game. The guy got two games for a hit to the head. There was more intent by what o Ovechkin did with his spear. So I thought the NHL messed up. That should have been a game. It's something that we usually wind up talking about once or twice a year, whether a suspension involves uh, an oiler or not, because there are some some head scratches along the way. And, I, and I've always, now, you know, the, the chase on thing we get for sure. But I, I've often thought that, if a player does something with his stick, that should be worse than a, a really aggressive check or, or even a punch. I mean, unless he's like jumping and throwing an elbow into a guy's face or something like that. Because I've always thought if, uh, I mean, look, Rob, you 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 played, you, you know, you and I talk all the time and NHL players are in control out of there. They have to play an incredibly fast sport and make split-second decisions, not only to win, but also to protect themselves and and each other at, at times. So if you do something with with a stick, to me, you know exactly what you're doing or could do. And that's why sometimes I wonder why the NHL isn't a little harsher on things like spears or, or big slashes or things like that. Just, just my thought. Well, I agree. And... There's a lot of times where a guy gets uh, suspended or gets a, a major for a hit to the head. And there are some that are, are very blatant that you could say, okay, that guy targeted the other guy's head. But there's a lot of times where you're going in for a hit and the player moves, they're a little quicker than you thought, you, you took the wrong angle, a lot of different reasons. And accidentally, you, you hit head before you hit shoulder. And I, I, Connor McDavid a couple of years ago was suspended for a game. Uh, we saw Andrew Cogliani, Cogliano lost his Ironman streak 
because he, he had head contact, and you could tell he wasn't trying to. The player moved at the last second, and head contact was, was the first contact. Those are accidental. Now, you still they're still getting suspended, but they are accidental. There was no intent on it. When you use your stick, it's all intent. Alex Jason cross-checked the guy across the head. It wasn't the guy moved at the last second. It wasn't Alex was going too fast, and his stick came up at the wrong moment. There was intent to cross-check him where he did. Last night, Alex Ovechkin speared a guy in the groin. He had the time to think about it. There was, Neither of them were moving. There was clear intent on what he was trying to do. So, yes, I agree. Stick fouls are not treated as harshly as they should be when there's normally more intent with a stick foul than there is with a body check. Yeah, it's it's pretty strange. Like I like I saw that and thought, well, they they have to suspend him. I mean, that's you know, he's it's even if he's not. Well, what is he doing if it's not an intent to injure? Like, oh, <laughs> well, you're right, you're right. And a five thousand dollars fine. You know, if you and I get fined five thousand dollars, we might think a little different about speeding or jaywalking <laughs> or something like that. I mean, when you when a guy's making ten million dollars a year and you give him a five thousand dollar fine, I mean that's not, you know, it doesn't make a dent. It's not telling that guy's not gonna say, oh, okay, I better smarten up because I just had to pay five thousand dollars out of my piggy bank to the league. It was dumb. A suspension is what was deserved. And I think the NHL messed up. Oilers did not practice today. You, you heard Tippett and, and Rob, you and I still get asked about it sometimes after games, but um, a mandatory day off. So the rules of the collective bargaining agreement are that each team has to have four days off a month, uh, full, full days off. They can be on the road and it can be, I think if you fly, if you still land before 2 a.m., you can count it as uh as a full day off. I, I know we've had some people ask us, well, how come the players get to pick? The, the players don't get to pick. The coaching staff still picks, but they have to sort of be, you know, reasonable days and, and spaced out reasonably. So it was pretty obvious with two days before between games that uh, that today was going to be one. What, what was uh, what was the day off procedure like when, when you played? Because I don't think the CBA would have had any sort of allowance for that. But did you have coaches who recognized, okay, take a take a day away from the rink and your teammates? Uh, very rarely. Uh, I wish they had that when I played. The, there used to be, uh, okay, the good players get the day off today. All you other bums, you're coming in and we're going to skate you as hard as we can. There were many days off. I remember we would fly, back when beginning of my career, we flew commercial. So we would play, you'd have a late game in, I don't know, L.A. After the game, you go out, there was always a 5 a.m. wake up, you get on the 7 o'clock flight, you have to switch planes, usually in Minneapolis, you fly to Pittsburgh, you land at 2 in the afternoon, you go right from the airport, straight to practice, you practice at 4, and then you drive home through rush hour. In the old days, old school hockey was, Players don't need rest. They just need to work harder. So very rarely did we have a day off. Now, when we did get a day off and we took full advantage of it, it usually started with a team get-together at a local restaurant (laughs) that would turn into a team dinner at the local restaurant. And sometimes we saw a third shift change for the late-night course served around midnight. So I know why they didn't let us have a lot of days off because we really came back tired the next day after a day off. 
All right. I, there are some things that you didn't quite say in that answer, but I think everybody understands what you were <laughs> what you were saying and also uh, what you said. Well, the Oilers will practice again tomorrow. Um, t- tell me, for me, and again, I'll ask you know your experience as a pro athlete. Can anger and embarrassment be as motivating as anything else, or does that depend on the individual? Well, yeah, it does depend on the individual, but it is a, an incredible motivator, usually for most players. Uh, to me, I don't know if it's anger what the Oilers are feeling right now. It's more embarrassment. Uh, I think that to a man, every player on that team had high expectations with this three-game set. The Oilers were riding high, 11-2. and two. They're playing the best team in the division. There's a chance to get, I believe it was to get even in the standings. Uh, so much riding on it. And the Oilers had a belief that they were the best team in the division playing against the Leafs. And they wanted a good showing. I mean, every, from top to bottom, their goaltending was good coming in. They had all these defensemen that, I mean, there's all the accolades being thrown around. Nurse and how well he's playing and, and, and Barry playing his old team and he's having a fantastic run and top two scores in the league. So the, the expectations were high for, for the Oilers in this series. You know, they're going to go two and one or possibly sweep the Leafs. And when it turned out the way it did, uh, frustration, embarrassing, uh, huge motivators. Uh, I, I said last night that I always hated to be the next team after a team got embarrassed in a game because they're going to have to take it out on someone. Connor McDavid went three games without a point. And my guess is in, the, in a six-game stretch, he's going to have 10 points. That means he's going to have 10 points in the next three games. So those two... The, the next team they play against, the Calgary Flames, are like, oh, why couldn't Edmonton have won that game so that they wouldn't be as angry? But, yes, I believe it's a huge motivator for, for this team. I think that they are going to come out with a, a purpose. And I think what they learned from the Toronto Maple Leafs, the Leafs came in with a purpose of how to play against the Oilers. And it was obvious from how they, the line changes, the defensive pairings, who they were playing against, what they did when Connor and Leon were on the ice. They had a game plan, and they played it to perfection. And I think that is the greatest learning experience for the Oilers is stick with the system. Find your system, stick with it, and don't get outside of it because that's how you win hockey games against good teams, and that's what they should be taking into the game against Calgary on Saturday. Yeah, well, and we had a couple callers reference it last night, and and I was talking about in the first half hour of the show too, the, the Leafs. The, the Leafs, like, really answered the bell. I, I, I feel like, you know, now I've kind of been digesting it. And, and, and look, I, I, I don't – I'm not saying that the Oilers were lazy, but I think the Leafs rose to the occasion more than the Oilers did. Like, I think the Leafs looked at it and said, oh, really, people think this team can really track us down for first place. Really? Like, who was it? Was it Amy Poehler and Seth Meyers used to do that on Saturday Night Live? <laughs> really? Like, you know, I think they said – I think they just said – Okay, you, you you think you think there's a race for first place? We're going to show you the race is how far ahead of everybody we can finish. And you know, Dave Tippett used that phrase that the Oilers have to grab the competitive level. And to me, that's like there was an occasion to rise to, and and they didn't rise to it. And you know, the positive side of that is better now than in May or June. The negative side of that is you, you still got outscored thirteen one, and it looks like a long way to go. Yeah, well, what I think the Maple Leafs did is they, they were challenged by their coaching staff, 
okay, we're playing the Oilers. They got the best power play in the league last year. Our power play, let's, let's show them that our power play can be better. And it was. The penalty killers of the Leafs, all right, we're going up against McDavid and Drysdale in this power play. We got to, let's see, show them we can shut them down. And they did. Uh, the, or the Leafs' best players, uh, Marner, the first two games was excellent. Playing without Austin Matthews, that's the best I've ever seen Marner play in person. And then you got the third and fourth line players of the Toronto Maple Leafs. Okay, guys, we're playing on the road. We don't get to control the matchups. You're at sometimes Spezza's line or uh, Kerfoot's line or whoever was the third line center in, in the different games. You're going to be out there at times against Leon and against Connor. Prove to me that you can play against those guys. Prove to me I don't have to pull you off the ice on quick line changes. I challenge you guys to be able to play that way. I'm going to give you a, br- a blueprint of how we want to play. I want to see if you guys can stick to it. And they did. And that's what Toronto uh, leaving that game can say is we went in there, every part of our game was challenged to be better. And they were. And that's why if you're a Leaf fan right now, you're excited because you saw what your depth was capable of doing against a, a team in Edmonton that was playing very well. And if you're an Oilers fan, you now see where the bar is. That, okay, out West, sometimes we hear too much about Toronto and Toronto this, Toronto that. Well, they played Ottawa a lot. Well, wait till they see us when we're playing well. Well, they did. And the Oilers fans now realize the Leafs are good. And if the Oilers want to win a division and or more importantly, go to the final four in the National Hockey League playoffs, they're going to have to go through Toronto at some point, whether it's the first round or the second round. Because Toronto is the elite team in this division, and we saw that over the last three games. All right. Yeah, the Oilers have some work to do. I mean, again, to me, the storyline is how do you bounce back? The games against the Leafs are over. You can't do anything about them. So how, how now do you bounce back? Uh, I will see you. When am I going to see you? Well, I'm going to see you Saturday. We'll be at the rink for the Flames game. That's going to be fun, buddy. It's going to be fun. I, and I, I expect a much different Oiler desperation in the way they play against the Calgary Flames on Saturday night. Yeah, got to have it for sure. Thanks for checking in, Rob. We'll see you soon. Sounds good, Reed. That's our Inside the Game analyst for Oilers Hockey Broadcast here on 630 Chet, the one and only Rob Brown. Yeah, definitely. I, I, I'm sure many of you have seen the Ovechkin uh, spear on Trent Frederick. little surprised he got off with a fine on that, but uh, uh, it doesn't always make sense to me from the NHL Department of Player Safety. Having said that, no issues with Alex Chase on getting a game. I think that was deserved for uh, for what he did against Jimmy Vesey. 780-496-0063 is how you get in touch on the CertainTeed hotline. Have some of your feedback when we get back. goodness don who's a leafs fan has texted in he says however i like to see the oilers play well they were outscored 13-1 is that goalies defense or both the offense cannot continue to rotate line mates every other shift for connor they need to make a trade for a real nhl player not some other teams casts off that is from uh cast offs that is from don seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three we also have glenn who has called in tonight hey glenn go ahead uh yes uh hi reed how are you good Um, Just wondering, I was uh, listening to Morley a couple of mornings ago. Um, He suggested that he had received a uh, proposal from the uh, Oilers 
uh, to Alberta Health Services um, in order to uh, put some seats in the stadium. And I'm wondering, have you had a chance to review that proposal? Well, Morley didn't receive the proposal. There was a there was a report that the Oilers made such a proposal to Alberta Health Services. I I have not read it. Thanks, Glenn. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. We also have Mo on the line. Go ahead, Mo. Hey, Reed. How's it going? Good. Good. Okay. Uh, I'm not going to bash this team. I'm standing behind this team. Uh, these last three games were, uh, uh, to me the best wake-up call that this team could have had. Uh, now they know what they have to play up to. I don't think Toronto could play any better, and I don't think we could play any worse. So I think somewhere in the middle is 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 where this where this matchup could have possibly uh, been. Uh, with that said, our top guys did nothing. I think our bottom six actually uh, played fairly decent. They played better than our top six in in all three games. Uh, but Toronto, I've watched. I don't watch a lot of uh, non-Oiler games, uh, to be totally honest with you. But I don't remember the Leafs ever playing this good. Um, three absolutely perfect, complete playoff-type hockey games. They're exactly where we need to be, uh, and we need to do a little bit of work. But it's not gloom and doom. We're still in a playoff spot, and I'm hoping that the Oilers absolutely take it out on calgary and ottawa and just keep going they got to bounce back and not let this get out of hand and i don't think they will so all right not yeah appreciate it mo thanks for tuning in tonight man we'll talk to you later okay that is mo at 780-496-0063 and you asked for glenn's uh, question about uh possibly fans coming in i i don't know i i mean that's there's a lot of speculation uh, if if it, if there were fans later in the season, I think clearly, and I'm speculating here too, clearly it would not be a full stadium. I don't even know how many it would be. It would probably not be uh, very many. You can look up for yourself how many are being allowed into some of the U.S. arenas as we're moving through this season. All right, uh, more on the Oilers and uh, a little bit on the Western Hockey League as well. Former Oiler Mark Lamb now with the Prince George Cougars. That division is getting ready to go. We'll visit with Mark Lamb in the next hour. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad.